Well, welcome to Heighten at Home. We're so glad you're here. You're so welcome. It's great to have you watching this evening or whenever you're watching. Do you, do you let us know you're here? It's great to be able, it's really encouraging to see people liking and sharing and commenting and, and spreading the word. And so please do uh, do that. It's really encouraging to us and it does make a difference. More people do connect and, and find hope, we believe, as you do so. But tonight we're starting a, a new uh, series uh, called Restored. We're going to be uh, looking at one chapter of the Bible in which is probably potentially one of my favourite chapters in the whole of the Bible, if not definitely one of them at least. And it's Mark chapter 5. And Mark is a gospel, which means it's good news. It's the good news. It's the biography of the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in this chapter, we see three encounters with Jesus, three incredible encounters with Jesus in which there's restoration at many levels. And then three beautiful responses to encountering Jesus and being restored by Jesus. And so over the next three Heart in the Homes, we're going to going to look at uh, one of the three encounters. We're going to take uh, one at uh, a time and look at these encounters of Jesus in Mark 5 and, and see what God is saying and, and what we can learn from them and how they can be impact our lives today. So the first one we're going to look at is the demon-possessed man. So we get this uh, demon-possessed man who, who encounters Jesus. We have this man who's completely out of control. He's overcome by evil spirits inside of him who are dangerous and powerful and destructive. And we can see that they've actually caused this man to start to self-harm. Now I want to just stop and say for a moment that self-harm is, is not a sign of demon possession. So, so if anyone draws that conclusion, you kind of got it wrong. But also that we need to be looking at, at fighting the injustices and the, the root causes that are finding so many of our young people and people in our society who are being led to, to self-harm. And that's that where they're finding themselves through desperate situations. So I want to say to you as well, if, if you're watching and that's where you found yourself, you know, you're noticed, you're loved, God loves you he, and, and he wants a relationship with you. And uh, you may even have a relationship with him already. Like, I, I want to encourage you, look, we're here for you. If we can support you in any way, we're here for you. But we see that this guy, this demon-possessed man, has now been led to self-harming. He's, he's cutting himself with rocks day and night. He's, he's crying out in pain. We see this in verse 5. This man was broken. To the point where actually no one could subdue him. No one could tame him. And it says in verse 4, he'd been chained by his hands and his feet. But he, the power of the demons inside of him were that strong that he was able to break the chains. This guy was unstoppable. And no one could tame him. But you know, in this chapter, as we'll see over these next few weeks, we, we have three seemingly hopeless situations. There's no seeming light at the end of the tunnel. These people, there's no silver lining on their clouds. We've, we've got this desperate man who's crying out day and night. His, his desperation has led him to self-harm. And you know, if I'm honest, I kind of read this story. Where actually we're going to see that Jesus casts out the demons and he's restored. But you know, I kind of read this story and kind of went, wow, Jesus, incredible, incredible power. And kind of just... I moved on and for, kind of forgot about it. It's just another one of those encounters with Jesus. 
But as we came with all these encounters, every encounter of Jesus, but with this one as well, I sort of dug, I dug a bit deeper. And I pressed into the passage in preparation when I was sort of studying and looking at this chapter. And there's so, so much more going on. So where did all of this take place? What's the context? Where did this encounter with Jesus take place? It took place in a place called Gerasenes. And it's called Gerasenes depending on where you're from at least. Gerasenes is, is still to this very day disputed land. And it was when Jesus was there. It was disputed between Israel and Syria. And even today there's still claims over this land. There's a peace treaty in place trying to keep peace over the land where this encounter took place. So Jesus back then goes in his boat and enters into a place of turmoil. This is clearly actually not Jewish land. If I'm honest, there are so many times where I'm kind of thankful I'm not a Jew. Firstly, because I love a beautiful, greasy, smothered, sexy bacon butty. But also because the Messiah has come. I'm not no longer living in the hope of, of a saviour coming to save me, but he's already come. I now live in the hope of him returning. But also because I love bacon. But it's, this is clearly also not Jewish land. The reason, how can I say that? Because there are pigs which are seen as unclean by the Jews and therefore they would have not had this large herd of pigs on a hill. But on top of that, Jesus going to a place of uncleanliness, not just because there are pigs, but notice where this happens. It happens in a graveyard. We see in verse 5, he's, this guy is, is this, deems this man is, is living in a, a graveyard where they've tried to subdue him with chains and lock him up. So here we see Jesus going to an unclean land, to an unclean man, a man that everyone else is scared of, that no one else would go near him, but Jesus does. Jesus goes into the mess and the brokenness, into this man's desperation and hopelessness. And when this man sees Jesus, he, he falls on his knees and Jesus tells the demons to get out in verse 9. And Jesus asks the evil spirit, what is your name? Notice he didn't say that because uh, he didn't ask him because he did, Jesus didn't know. Jesus knew exactly what his name was, but he, he wanted to, to identify who it was that he was encountering. And the demon replies, legion. Legion being the biggest unit in the Roman army consisting of three to six thousand soldiers. This man is clearly possessed by many demons. And the demons plead with Jesus to be allowed to go into the herd of two thousand pigs on the hill. And Jesus gives them permission and, the, and they, as the demons enter into the pigs, the pigs run down the hill into the lake and drown. But this man is now set free. People who saw this man noticed that now he's dressed rather than being naked and he's on his right mind. That's the impact that Jesus made. This man was desperate and hopeless. But Jesus gave him hope. He brought light to his darkness. He restored the man. He set him free. And what I love about all these three encounters, and we'll see this over these next couple of weeks as well, is the response. Well, how they respond to what Jesus does in their life. So we've got this demon-possessed man. And as the, he's now restored, he's of his right mind, he's clothed, he's now going to be, he, be able to enter into society again. He's restored, he can have relationships, he can have intimacy, he can, he can know people and be, and be with people and be in community. 
But we've got this demon-possessed man who's now restored. And as Jesus and his disciples go to leave, they're being asked to leave by everyone and the locals. And, and then he goes to leave. Jesus and his disciples get back in the boat and the demon-possessed man comes up to Jesus. And he's begging Jesus, 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 let me come with you. But I love this. Jesus says, no, stay here, stay where you are and tell your community what the Lord has done for you. Go and tell the the people you know, the community are now going to be able to be part of what I have done for you. And, you know, the Christians often think that there's a guy called the Apostle Paul who, who wrote a large part of the New Testament was the first to take the Gospels to what are known as the Gentiles, people who, who aren't Jews. Probably mostly me and you, most of us probably aren't Jews who are watching. Though if you are, welcome. But maybe, actually, rather than being the Apostle Paul who first took the good news of Jesus to the Gentiles, the, the, the non-Jews, maybe it was actually this demon-possessed man in non-Jewish land because we read this in verse 20 after Jesus says no stay here go and tell your community uh, what the Lord has done for you he says this so the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis the town the place where he lived how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed he encounters Jesus He's restored, he's set free, he finds hope, he's restored to community and now he goes round telling the world what Jesus has done for him. He was set free and now he's living in that freedom and now he's bringing that freedom to others. I wonder, if, you're a, if you've encountered Jesus, you're a follower of Jesus, what is your response to what Jesus has done for you? you know, sometimes we need a perspective change. You know, this man had a painful past, but he did not focus on his past. No, he let go and he told the world what Jesus has done and they were amazed. He didn't dwell and wallow in his past, but he he saw he'd been set free from and he lived and told other people what Jesus had done for him. And they were amazed. Whoever you are watching, don't let your past restrict what God wants to do through you now. Don't let your past restrict what God wants to do in your future, in your present. The plans and the purposes that God has for you. Because God wants to use you now. Don't let your past restrict you, but allow God to use you. And I know in my life, and I probably will in your life, he'll use your past to help others find hope. To help others find freedom. To help others find light in their darkness. You know, in these encounters, we see hopelessness and desperation. We see pain and hurt and brokenness. Nothing new. It's what we see so often today. We can be surrounded by so much hopelessness and brokenness and desperation. And we can stop there and we can complain and we can say, oh, this broken generation and wallow in that and going, oh, no, nothing we can do could become overwhelmed by it all. But all the people will encounter, will see in this chapter in his next couple of hardened homes, didn't stay in their hopelessness. Why? Because of Jesus. They encountered Jesus. When they encountered Jesus, it's impossible for them to remain the same. They're restored and set free. Jesus showed his power and authority. He, he brings healing, restoration and hope. 
And you know what our area needs? You know what Morecambe needs and Lancaster and Heesham and Morecambe Bay and our nation, our world needs? You know, it's not necessarily more church buildings. Not necessarily just more financial investment. Though, don't get me wrong, that definitely might help. But what actually we need is a, in our world today is Jesus. The brokenness and the hopelessness around us needs love and life and restoration and hope. They need the kingdom of God. They need Jesus. And Jesus, I believe, is looking for a people who are willing to be these kingdom builders, who are willing to count the cost. And this doesn't have to be some pipe dream that we can go and be those like Jesus that step into the mess, the hopelessness, and see restoration and hope and life and freedom become reality in people's lives. It's not some pipe dream. It's not a sort of pie in the sky. It's not some motivational feel-good statement. It's what the church should be. This is who we should be. Those people who are hope carriers, who are life bringers, who are freedom fighters. And it's possible. Not just because we're going to get really busy, but because or we work harder. Because the truth of the gospel is this. That not only can we know our sins forgiven, not only can we know life in Jesus Christ, not only can we know that God is with us, we can actually know the Holy Spirit living in us. We live in this living relationship with God. Now it says in Romans chapter 8 verse 11, the spirit of him, the Holy Spirit, who raised Jesus from the dead is living inside of you. That's the power and the place that we live from. Now, I could keep going, but then I'll go into some of what we'll share next time. I want to ask a couple of questions. You know, how is God speaking to you this evening? You know, I believe there's going to be a variety of people watching this. And for some, you feel like the demon-possessed man. I'm not saying you're necessarily possessed by a demon, but you feel like, in the sense that you feel there's no hope. You feel full of pain and desperation. Maybe you've been crying out and you stumbled upon this and you're crying out, where are you? What's going on? And I believe this is God would, would say to you, I'm here for you. And I believe the same Jesus that set this demon-possessed man free can set you free. I encourage you, you know, we're here for you. If we can help you and journey with you or reach out to someone you know who's a follower of Jesus or you know what, even just give God a try. Just go, God, if you're real, I need you. And just be open to what God might do in your life. Or maybe you can see that in your life, actually, you've encountered Jesus. You can maybe see in your life the things that Jesus has saved you from, your past and, and some of the, the, the choices that you're now making that Jesus has changed your trajectory in your life. I want to ask the question, what's your response to that? Are you sharing your story of the amazing things that Jesus has done in your life, just like the demon-possessed man did? Bringing freedom and hope and restoration to the world around you. I believe that we've been restored so we can join in with God's mission and God's kingdom's purposes and plans of bringing restoration to the world and the individuals around us. Let's pray. So Father, I thank you for 
Jesus. And I thank you for your power to restore and to bring life and bring hope. I pray for anyone who's watching right now who's feeling hopeless, who feels full of pain, who's, who's desperate right now. God, I pray right now that you will move by the power of your spirit and bring restoration, that there'll be some light at the end of the tunnel and his name is Jesus. They might encounter you, they might reach out to you, they might reach out to others where they need to. God, you might set them free. Whatever that looks like in their life. God, I pray for each one that's watching as well who, who's already a follower of you or maybe actually, you know what, I'm not, I'm not, I say it in the right way, you know what, you can be full of pain and desperation and still be a follower of Jesus. But you're on this journey of being restored. I pray for all those who, who are followers of Jesus right now. I pray that you will give us an increased boldness and recognition of our job to step into mess and brokenness and, and desperate situations. And bring hope, bring us. See people set free. And to bring restoration and freedom. In Jesus' name. Amen.